I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. everyone and welcome back to the crash couch i am chris and today i'm once again joined by joel joel how are you i am great uh, for whatever day it is today it's still a bit of a <laughs> mystery a new year. Yeah. it is a new year that's right yes happy uh 2021 20... did, did i get that right yes great and joining us for the first time this season we have returning laura laura how are you i'm doing good How's everyone doing today? We are we are doing fine. Glad that you were here, finally. Glad to be here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I have a weird schedule right now with the um, pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what that is. Is it some kind of what proto molecule thing? Right. Uh, that, that, yeah, that it's going around. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I think that I, I know that. COVID is bad, but I think I would rather have that than the protomolecule. What do you guys think? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to like sound like I'm condoning COVID. Like, yes, <laughs> someone quote me on that. Like, Laura wants COVID to happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> Between the two, yeah. I'm glad I'm not treating protomolecule <laughs> or testing for it. Ugh. I don't know why Although, I don't know what that would look like. If we did have the protomolecule, maybe we would be able to like travel in space so maybe that's a good trade-off I <laughs> it's kind of a steep bargain there yeah <laughs> or a steep price <laughs> yes but would there be bars in space that's what i want to know someplace i can get a, a decent drink asking the real questions there we go <laughs> you know, uh, i'm a very philosophical type guy as you can probably tell <laughs> that's how so you do it that's how you do it <laughs> <laughs> We are back this week to talk about Season 5, Episode 5, Down and Out of The Expanse. Laura, you haven't been on yet this season, so what are your thoughts on everything leading up to this point? How have you, how have you enjoyed the season so far? I'm overwhelmed <laughs> a bit. <laughs> I mean, I knew what was coming going in, so I was kind of excited to see everyone's reactions and then kind of was a little surprised by how how much it affected me too <laughs> still because yeah it's reading what happens in the book kind of messed me up seeing it on screen kind of still messed me up even knowing it was gonna happen like that's a, a whole i don't want to say a new scale of like atrocity because the protomolecule kind of messed up a whole station's worth of people but it's a real old school way to to go back like we're throwing rocks so it's i'm enjoying it but i'm also very emotionally invested yeah and that's something that i never really thought of too until you really mentioned it and i don't know if this is where you were going with it but the way i took that is that a lot of the stuff that's happening now is happening to earth 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, before with the protomolecule, a lot of the, you know, atrocities we were seeing was happening outside of the planet and it really wasn't hitting close to home. Yeah. But now that we have these big like meteor strikes hitting Earth and like essentially wiping out entire locations, or at least as far as we can tell, that is just it's it's weird to think that it's like it's not like Earth has ever been like the primary setting and it's not like Earth is the quote unquote good guys ever. Yeah. But it's just it's weird to kind of like go from like four seasons of of spacey stuff and like Mars and like gates to other worlds and other planets and all these other like really sci-fi things. And then in the fifth season have a big thing happen to earth. And it just, it's like kind of like brings you back from all of that. Yeah. Well, that's one where we like, as the audience finally have a point of reference, Yeah, I'm like, I can connect to, you know, human beings in general, and I can imagine my experience, like, in their shoes. But at this point, I'm like, I know what it's like to be on Earth and then imagining that happening to me on Earth. Mm -hmm. It feels very more real. Yes, all politics are local politics. Yeah. It makes quite the impact. You just struck at the, the cradle of humanity, too. Yeah. We think like that's where we came from. Yeah, you don't see a lot of yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, no, kidding. theoretically, yeah. that's the working theory, at least. Exactly. <laughs> Laura, what's been a standout uh, character for you so far this season? I don't. I think uh, I know who you're going to say, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Are we talking like new characters or just anyone? Uh, it can just be anyone. Because everyone's doing great. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, I did just watch this last episode. And Naomi, well, Dom is killing it. It's so, so painful (laughs) to watch Mm -hmm. her. Not in a bad way, obviously. Just what she's going through. And she's doing it so well. Because it hurts so bad. And... What Marco did to her, what like Marco manipulated her into. Oh, that's one thing too. Where like I know we're gonna learn more and more throughout the season, so try not to spoil any further. <laughs> yeah, I, I I had a feeling that's where you were gonna go with it, um, yep. and it's where I wanted to start too because we we praised her a lot um, in last week's episode for her mm-hmm. acting and just the way that Naomi's storyline is going. And this week sort of just elevated that, and I was not prepared for it because yeah. you know we had so much good good happen last week, not for the character, but for her for as an act, as an actress. And then this week it just like took that to an an, an even higher level. And I was just not prepared for it. Seeing where Naomi is going at this point is just like oh, it just tugs at the heart. Yeah. Yeah, no, I literally just watched this again right before, like, calling in. So I'm I'm still very raw from, like, the very <laughs> end. I'm just watching her in the cell, like, muted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My I, girl. I just love the fact that her nickname back in the day was Knuckles. I know. It feels very like contrary to who she is because it sounds like a violent nickname and she's not yeah. at all. Violent and uh, like uh, dumb, right? It's like yeah. Stone Age yeah. Neanderthal. It sounds type. like an 
Amos nickname. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, He's not dumb. Don't tell He's, Amos that. He throws a good punch, though. <laughs> True. I was really surprised when Philip intervened, when she was going on the bridge to presumably stab Marco. I just I thought that's where we were going with it. Yeah. And I, I was waiting for something to happen. I just kind of really wasn't expecting Philip to, I'm assuming, kind of realize what she was about to do and then just intervene. That kind of like I, I have this in the back of my mind. I know that most of and I don't really want to. This is where I'm kind of conflicted because I have a hunch that most of Philip's actions are because of Marco and like. In a normal situation, this is not how he would have, you know, grown up to be. Like he wouldn't have grown up to be like a, a, a sidekick to be, huh? A terrorist? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Probably. I thought you said a turd at first. Well, that like, too. Yeah, a little turd, <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Okay. But like my my hope is that you know maybe I mean obviously you can't just be like he can't just like suddenly turn on his father and think that oh yeah I'm a good guy now all of my sins have been you know, taken away from me, but I, I, it would be kind of nice to see that maybe again, I've, I don't know where this is going like in the future, but that's my hope. Yeah. I think that's like very understandable that he would be conflicted because he's like been raised by his father and probably could see that hopefully, (laughs) I mean, also without like spoiling anything that's coming. I mean that what his father is doing is, big if anything is hurting a lot of people but it's his dad and he raised him and there is that sort of loyalty to family but also his mom but also she abandoned him by all appearances well she did like yeah there's no getting around that she has her reasons and i don't begrudge her that but yeah so i can see why he's like loyal to marco right now but Mm -hmm. Also, why Marco is <laughs> probably confused why he uh, saved his mother. Like, she abandoned you, but that's his mom, bud. Now, and this is pro- this could be getting into, you know, future storyline territory, mm-hmm. but why do they keep Naomi around? Like, is, is there a reason that, you know, they're, they're just keeping her? You know, like, she obviously doesn't want to be there. I can see maybe having the the idea at the start okay maybe we can just like try to bring her like we'll, we'll keep her captive for some reason and then eventually just dump her because you know obviously we don't care about her even if we do have family reasons but i feel like there's some reason that they're keeping her yeah pain I and think suffering it's <laughs> safer to like have her there now that like they have her and i think she was kind of just an unknown like philip showed up with her that's fair i think marco is just being vindictive and, and making her suffer on purpose yeah, petty. that could also, yeah. Yeah, honestly, Marco's kind of that kind of person. I guess I just, after watching her betray one, uh, her old friend, I don't remember what his name was, and knock him out and then steal his his phone or his transmitter, whatever you want to call it, real quick to send that message to Holden at the end about not starting the Rossi's reactor. I don't know. It, it makes me feel like that maybe they should have just kept her locked up the whole time or you know because I, I would think this, this is something that, that they would that was see. like a move that they didn't see coming because again i don't want to like 
spoil too much, but she's always been sort of nonviolent and ended up ditching them when they basically used her for violence. So I think they expected her to just be sort of docile. I can't believe that they let her excess, you know, have access to the coffee machine. What, <laughs> what were they thinking? Yeah, get her riled up. Oh, my God. Um, by the way, that fellow, her friend she knocked out, I believe his name was Levo, uh, Levo, something like that. The older man with the tattoo. That was Sin, yeah. I think. Because it's yeah. like Sin and Carol. Is it Sin? Oh, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. I know I remember those two. Ask me any further than that, and I won't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read a recap, and you are correct. Yeah, no, I think they maybe didn't realize how much being away from them and for that long time and around her new family has maybe changed her and what she's willing to fight for now. Yeah. Because, yeah, she's very, like, anti-violence. Typically. Well, that does... That does make sense, too, because before I, I kind of had this thought when I was watching it the second time that maybe they assumed that she would be like not completely on board with you know joining their side or like going yeah. along with them on the plan. But maybe a little more like, hey, we have a past. She won't do anything to us. Yeah. Well, it might also just like she won't do anything to us, but it would be better to just keep her around yeah. So we know where she is. She can do more trouble when she's not like under our eye. Yeah. Because Marco um sucks. <laughs> yes, he does indeed suck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> zero to ten. <laughs> do not like that guy. <laughs> I'm glad. Well, no, I'm not glad Marco did what he did. But after like season four. There were some people like sympathetic to him, like knowing what he was about to do. I was like, mm-hmm. no, we are not going to be sympathetic to Mark. <laughs> That's not what we're doing. I can be sympathetic towards like the Belters' cause and the fact that they have been oppressed. And I can be sympathetic to being angry, not to genocide. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a big like power imbalance there he's killed millions yeah not done with that <laughs> and we kind of get that too with drummer at the very beginning of the episode where uh marco essentially offers them a you're with us or against us type thing mm-hmm. and obviously they go and decide to meet him and who knows if that's i have a feeling that there's a an ulterior motive to that we'll see if you know i end up being right but you, you're right you bring up an interesting point about how this is really you know, you see somebody finally really doing something for the Belters mm-hmm. and wanting to, I guess, cement their their place and, and their legacy in the rest of, you know, the the universe or the world. And it just is you don't really think about how like there are plenty of other people out there that, you know, probably want a little, little bit of respect uh, compared to, you know, everyone else, but they don't mm-hmm. want to like kill a whole bunch of people and it just i don't know it's it's that conflict it's really interesting by doing that he just kind of like put a target on every builder too so like he just made decisions for everyone i think uh, now you have the bulgers still in their factions and you have drummer and she's not marching to her to her own beat now yeah yeah she's been upstaged 
And just going yeah. back on, you know, the, the motivations, right? Mm-hmm. Marco Inaris, uh, there's a couple lines said by Naomi's friend, right? Uh, who, who she hit over the head with is that, you know, they make us thirst for water. They make us you know, grasp for air, right? Yeah. They're being oppressed. Now they're being oppressors. It's the whole thing yeah. is, is, you know, which one's better, being oppressed or being the oppressor? And I think that's yeah. a false economy, mind you, but think, that's the balance of it. Yeah. I think that there's other people to blame for creating the conditions that created Marco, but I do not think we should let Marco off the hook either. No. I think that's my problem. Where it's like, well, I, he's reacting to this. I'm like, I know, but. <laughs> he's reacting in a very but inappropriate this is, way. Yeah. I was like, you can't kill millions of people. That's bad. We don't do that. But it also, it's weird that. In our in the in the current world too, just our our own real life, um, it's easy to see how one person can just sort of shine above the rest and sort of take hold of a of a of a mindset when it comes to like having you know some kind of power, be it political power or like or social power. And Marco is really interesting to me in that regard because just the way he's able to kind of use his plan and just build up to these moments and to this plan that he's, he's had, because, you know, you can't just have your, you know, your average belter go and say, Oh, I'm going to make this free Navy and everything's going to belong to the belters. Now that's normally not how it would work, but it just, it goes to show the type of character that Marco is that he is able to do it and not kind of do it in a way that you know, unless you're somebody that is that knows where it's going and that's read the that's read the books, is not something that's totally put out there right from the start. Like it's sort of like just this this yeah. slow moving plan that just finally accumulates in this. Yeah, I mean, I think it is kind of telling that you know there are a bunch of people that were like during season four found him like a sympathetic character because he's charismatic. You know, mm-hmm. he's pretty. Which does help. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but uh, he like he's got good leadership qualities. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like he's kind of the flip side of Holden, like his evil twin, where he's just willing to make big decisions. He's just doing it a lot more recklessly. He's a very effective cult leader, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. It's fanatical. Yeah. And so cult he personality. Can, like, yeah, you can just whip up a lot of like fervor. You just gotta do like emotional override, get people really whipped up, and now they're down to do atrocities. Yeah, and, it's, and he's capable of that. And that's interesting because if you look at the history of say terrorist groups over the last 60, 70, 80 years, there's not been that many with a cult at the very center of it. You know, you have mm-hmm. cult like you have terrorist leaders. But you you take the OPA, right, the Outer Planet Alliance. It's loosely based on the Irish Republican Army or the PLO. And, and these groups never had a main leader where, you know, people will have pictures of them on their walls, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right? You get cult leaders when they win a revolution, like Joseph Stalin, right? Or, or, or examples of dictators in North Korea or, or places like that or, or after the revolution in Iran in 1979, right? But he's fighting this revolution. So he may, you know, I see Marco being just a, a, a leader of a faction, but he's becoming a cult leader 
in a very cult of personality sense because he's winning. Yeah. And he's taking credit for it. And he's not <laughs> running away from the from the camera. In fact, he's getting his messaging out there and he's being bold and audacious. And he's yeah. also a genocidal maniac. He's got good branding. <laughs> One other question that I had, and this might be something that I just missed. How did Naomi know that the reactor in the Rossi was sabotaged? So I I feel like this is something that is probably going to be explained more in like the next episode or two. But they mentioned like the Gamara code. Yeah. And I think she realized once like Philip took her away after she tried to <laughs> stab Marco into the elevator said, you know, I saved your life. You should be glad I took you. And I think that's like when she realized like he saved her life by taking her away from the Rossi. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And she knew what it is because she helped write that code. Gotcha. I think it's called the Augustine Gamera, Gamera code. So it's a really mm-hmm. fancy name. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is interesting because Augustine is, was a former, well, was, in history, it was a Roman empire after the, uh, the Roman Civil War and was very successful at unifying the empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I don't want to, it's really interesting and a really big reason why I hate Marco and what he did to Naomi. But I also feel like it's going to come up in like probably the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Because it just happened. But I really want to talk about it. <laughs> Because I hate Marco and I love Naomi. I do hope that we get more of that exploration here because I I do (laughs) think that there's a lot that still needs to be said about these two characters and their history and you know why why they are the way they are and I just I want to see that explored more. Yeah, even without the like, not to discount this, that sounds reductive, but even without you know his whole weird cult he's leading. Marco was just personally a really crappy dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like personally to Naomi was just a manipulative, abusive piece of crap. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's I putting like it nicely him. too. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> that's me filtered. <laughs> so the other kind of big storyline we had in this episode was Amos in the pit as everyone has been saying. I mean, I guess it is called The Pit, but yeah. everyone was like, one line was like, oh my gosh, this I can't wait for the next episode because he's getting out of the pit. I'm like, okay, well, that's fun, I guess. I can't wait to see it. And wow, this one was good. This this is the kind of this is the kind of story that I really wish that I could have temporarily paused and then went and actually read it in the book and or like had it like put out in text form because I felt like this would have been really just wonderful just to read it's the kind of like adventure that i just i love in my in like my action adventure stories and just the the way that it translated to screen I, even like i can already tell that it was cool in the book just because it was cool in the show <laughs> and i i do wish i was able to read it first but this just this one instance first i'm glad i'm watching the show first before reading but i i loved this whole this whole episode for him yeah, to quote a line from the episode, that's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> and let me just say this. I really like this scene and this uh, you know, sequence because it works at a, on a metaphor level, right? Because this 
they're in, in the pit, right? They're down and out. That's the name of the episode. Yet they're slowly climbing back out of the hole. And it works. And it's trying to get out from the elevator shaft because they don't want to get shafted, right? So it's kind of like <laughs> it, 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 it makes for a it's great layers. prison escape. And it's a unorthodox, irregular prison escape because of the circumstances where they don't know what's happening on the surface. Oh, so good. Yeah, I did really enjoy it in the book. To answer your question, Chris, it is really well written. <laughs> it is a little, I was going to say like a little less chaotic at first, at least, when the rock hits near them. Because like alarms just start going off and whatnot. But I really appreciate just kind of how Amos takes on the leader role there. You get to see a little bit of like what he's learned from Holden and being around them. And I think that's really sweet because mm-hmm. he just like immediately takes charge because that guard is supposed to be, you know, taking care of the prisoners. And she's just panicked, basically can't reach anyone, doesn't know what to do. And he's like, here's what we're going to do, like how to get out of here. So I really enjoy seeing Amos get to come into his own, too. Mm-hmm. And I like that that guard. Uh, her uh, her character name was Rona, played by Natalie Brown. Yeah, I, yeah. And, I noticed and, that. I was like, ouch. And, and the fact <laughs> that she's you know she's a, a single mom and she just is she's working the prison because she needed a job and she just wants to make sure her child is safe afterwards. That's her ultimate motivation. Yeah. Right? But yet yeah. she she still wants to do her duty, and it's. Amos basically pushing her away emotionally that she goes back to her central motivation, which is taking care of her child, trying to find what happened to her child when they reached the very top yeah. of, the, of the elevator shaft. Yeah. Uh, I thought I, that was very well done. I think that's far and away the more important thing. Like Clarissa isn't, isn't going to be a threat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's all peaches and probably blood at this point, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a good one, Joel. Like <laughs> the rock that fell from the sky. Yeah. The rules have changed. It's fine. You can go find your kid. Yeah, I think she had probably the most interesting character development that we get throughout the whole series when it comes to like just like a one off episode or like just appearing, you know, one or two times just in the whole series. It just was really nice to see how you know, one of uh, one of the characters that we are super familiar with in this case, Amos, can sort of have an effect on the people around him um, and how just because that just goes to show how much he's changed since the first season. Because you know, if you remember, he was just very sort of like the tough guy mm-hmm. and, and, you know, we didn't know much about him. And he was just he was sort of there just to kind of be the tank. And now he just has so many more layers to him and especially this season. And it's just it's so nice to see see yeah. him finally get his chance to shine and and show the kind of influence he can have around him. Yeah, it's it's a tiny thing, <laughs> uh, and I say this with humor, of course, because was his real name when he was a child Timmy, and now we yep. have Tiny, who's a psychopath in jail. <laughs> but but Timmy's not tiny. Timmy has grown, right? And has developed emotions and maturity that way, right? Emotional, like leadership qualities as well. Yeah. You know? It's growing up. Well, I thought it was uh, 
actually relevant within like the context that you got to see. I mean, I know they're not in Baltimore anymore in this one, but on Earth, I guess, you know, how different he was from last time he was there. I quite enjoy, uh, I believe you pronounce it Konchak, the tiny guy, right? Tiny, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Played by Boomer Phillips is the actor who played him. I just love this. Uh, As a jerk, he played a jerk well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I want to know where he's from. I Uh, should look it up. uh, I should have looked. uh, From Canada, I believe. Many Canadian okay. actors. I was going to say either Canadian or like Midwest US because like the first line in an episode where he's like busts out of his cell. Oh, I was like, that was just an aggressively like Canadian or like Midwest accent yeah, or something. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think he was educated in Texas. I just looked it up. But I know he did, he's did a lot of acting in Canada. But uh, yeah, okay. he's been around. And, uh, well, either way, like yeah. it sounded like very... My Minnesota senses tingled. It's like, it sounds like my uncle busted over his head. Uh, oh, that's, you know, he, he uh, is an actor on uh, Letter Kenny. That's what I'm saying. Hey, yeah. And he, oh, he, and he plays, that... uh, he was in Goon, the movie Goon, if you remember nice. that, that hockey movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense now. Yeah. That's how you do it. That was, <laughs> the fu- oh, yep. <laughs> Yeah, he just busts out like, so what's new? I was like, oh, bud, <laughs> what's up? I also really like the fact that we have this thing going on where he's in, uh, the Concha character, the big thug. He's in jail and he's pounding on the door after the asteroid hits. And he's like, I got rights. I got rights. I know. You got rights. You do. Yeah, yeah. But in, in circumstances where the government has lost control because of an attack or you know this yeah. horrendous circumstances, do you really have rights? Well, in theory, yeah. you do, but in reality, in practice, not so much. I well, I, it's all I, lawless now. Yeah. Also, I, to be fair, I don't think they knew quite what had happened at that yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. But then later on in the episode, we have the line from Bull on, on uh, Tycho Station, right? Okay, about due process. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Due process on the station is what I say it is. Yeah. So you have rights, you have due process. You see how the rule of law is, is, is breaking down? Yeah. And bad Scary. things happen without the, without the rule of law. Really the subtle, like, philosophical observations are being made in this episode. I quite enjoy it. Well, it's just people in power who, like, feel like they can do what they got to do. And it's like, uh, you still got, we still got to follow some rules here. Still need some structure. I was super happy with the the little fight scene we got once they got to the top of the elevator shaft and got to see that they were actually, you know, in a essentially a blown up building. Whenever they had the the little showdown and Tiny ends up getting shot and Amos just kicks him in the nuts and just, th- just you know throws him off into the shaft was just wonderful. Looks like Oh, I got scared, though, because it looked like he was about to go down, too. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that wasn't in the book. Don't you dare. <laughs> it was a bit of a downer, but it was an awesome fight scene. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, I was like, that. you guys had to have seen that coming, though. Like, yeah. you were his prison guards. Yeah. There's and- no way he, like, got up there and was like, no, it's chill. <laughs> yeah. And yet you have Larissa, right? Uh, Peaches. Mm-hmm. She's powerless. She's tried to, to, to use her strengths, but she was on meds and she can do anything. 
completely and utterly useless to what's oh, going around like her in the scene, in, in the world. A good little twist, too, because every other time in the series when she's done that, she's, like, destroyed and, like, changed what was happening around her. And this time she just, like, tries to do it and collapses and everyone else has to do it. I was like, that's a good way to showcase that she is down and out. <laughs> yeah. And maybe she's improving. Maybe she's rising to the occasion from an emotional point of view, right? Or at least from a maturity point of view. <laughs> I hope so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope we're having yeah. everyone's growing. Exactly. I like the fact that when you saw Clarissa's, like it, I think it zoomed on her, it zoomed in on her eyes, and you kind of saw that she was about to like sort of go into her mode, and she ended up not having to use it. Was a little bit of foreshadowing. Um, I think, but also it was just nice that she didn't have to do that. And yeah. I don't know. I, I just liked how all of our characters kind of got to combine to defeat the enemy. Yeah, no, I think that was a good way to show like where Clarissa is at at this point yeah. <laughs> and probably going forward. <laughs> She's not what she was before. Mm. Physically, I mean. <laughs> and then, of course, after all of this, we have uh, we end sort of on a cliffhanger. We have you know, they uh, Alex and Bobby decide or they find out that the weapons that is being handed over to Marco is actually the frigates for the Free Navy. And I, that kind of like I guess I should have expected it in hindsight, but that was a little bit of a shock to me that they would just kind of trade those over. But it, again, it's it's something we we've sort of known all season, but. You know, it's fully confirmed now. And then obviously, you know, now they're they're going in without their core. That's where the episode ends. But it just is really interesting that Marco's kind of like really using all resources available at this point. Yeah, it was a fleeting moment. <laughs> hey, can I just say something? At least at the end of this episode, we saw crash couches being used. It's been a while, Yay. guys. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Hello. The crash couch or crash couches. Used. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Used to capacity. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 some bones being pulped in those boys. <laughs> yeah. They really put a lot of juice in that. Amazing. <laughs> oh. yeah. I can't believe I saw it like on my screen, like Joel raised his hand. I was like, okay, I'll wait. <laughs> can't believe I waited for that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Sometimes me. when there's a pun, you gotta make it. You gotta, you gotta strike when it's it's really like when it's hot, or, it's, or the pun's not gonna work. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was good. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, think you're gonna see the free navy go in a pretty wild way. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm hopeful that we kind of see this like big like let's use all of our budget on this one CGI scene. Uh, at some point in the show, yeah. um, just so, I, so we can prove a point to Joel, first of all. <laughs> oh, oh, every episode I get criticized. Every episode. So be it. It's all about the entertainment. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so the Martian ship was the Barkeith, and the two yeah. destroyers or frigates. Yeah. And I like the fact that Bobby and Alex actually found out what was happening, and they sent or they're they're trying to send a message to Aversarella, right? So they're playing a vital uh, role in the plot development. And we'll see what happens. Stuff is going to go down. I can tell you that. No spoilers. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> 
this is just sort of a just for my own sake question but where are we at in terms of like books like what 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 where, what book are we on right now book five okay and which one is tell that you, uh nemesis games nemesis games got it i couldn't tell you like how far because things are kind of going like all over the place yeah i'm curious to see how i mean i know it's been discussed over and over everywhere but how far like they take it now that it's going to be six seasons yeah. since I'm here now to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they say it's six seasons, but they may change their minds. Could be nine seasons. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I made a comment and it was supposed to be a joke. I was like, what if they just cram like the last three books into, <laughs> into <laughs> the last season, just like go absolute breakneck speed. They're like that would be bad. I was like, I know it'd be bad. <laughs> it'd be very bad. <laughs> Don't do it. It would be hilarious, though. <laughs> Each episode would be like overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Well, Laura, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you haven't really been around since since last season, and you know we've had the announcement that the expanse will end at with season six. What do you think of that? Since you're a book reader, yeah. I mean, I'm sad. I was really excited to see how they would make like the storyline from books seven through nine. I mean, obviously I haven't read nine, but just kind of extrapolating from, you know, the storyline so far, <laughs> how they would make that work on screen because there is some absolutely buck wild stuff that happens. So I wanted to see that on screen because I was curious and obviously I love the story, but I'm guessing like if there's anywhere to stop that, Besides, like, the very end, book six is the way to do it, because it's right before there's, like, a big time jump. Not yeah. to spoil stuff, but time happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of got that vibe from um, people um, talking about it online, that there is a good reason to stop with book six and that there was a time jump. So I don't think that's too much of a yeah. too much of a spoiler. I mean, I'm, I'm sad that it's not going to go through that, obviously, but I'm glad at least to have a show where the end is, you know, what's coming and you know when mm-hmm. it's coming and you have enough time to write it in. Yeah. Because I would rather have a good ending than just have it cut off out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, just imagine if, Season three was the last season that we got. I mean, that'd be terrible. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It would have been like the worst, but it would have been pretty bad. Yeah. Well, I'd say the worst because then I wouldn't get to see like four and five so far. And they're so good. (laughs) Knowing what I know now, the Mm -hmm. worst. Yeah. And I, I, that's another thing we, you know, we talked about a little bit a couple weeks ago, but. It just is nice that we're going to be able to get a conclusion and it's it's not one that, you know, it's going to be rushed and, you know, they have literally the rest of the season and then an entire season itself to to write out and to make sure that they get it right. And they've done it excellently for five seasons. And I have no doubt in my mind that the sixth season will, you know, be the same. And, you know, every since the fact that the authors are involved um, so heavily and you have a, an excellent showrunner, an excellent write, uh, writing team. It's just, 
it, it I, I have no doubt that, that we'll have a, a satisfying conclusion to the show. And I think they've said on Twitter that just because the expanse ends with season six doesn't mean that later they can't go back and retell or they, they can't go back and, and tell the stories from books seven through nine. Yeah. So well, I said that too. I was like, maybe they're just going to wait the, uh, the like amount of time that passes between the books in real time. Yeah. <laughs> just feel like we're just going to wait 10 years for the oh, actor's wow. age and then we'll go back. <laughs> See you guys later. Wow. <laughs> just to commit to it. I'm like, no, we're not going to age them with makeup. We're going to age them real time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think like book six was a good place to end. If you're going to end somewhere. Yeah. Because, yeah, it kind of wraps up a lot of stuff before something else, a new player sort of jumps in and takes mm-hmm. over. And it's, I mean, it's not like a completely new out of nowhere. It's definitely been, the groundwork has been laid down, but I guess you just have to read the books. Yep. <laughs> hey, and that will give me a reason to actually want to go and read the books once season six is done because I want to know not only all the differences and stuff that's gone on in this whole series, but what happens after the fact. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> I'm so, <laughs> I'm so ready for book nine, but also not because that's like the actual end mm-hmm. for me. And I'm, I'm more sad about that. Yeah. I mean, I don't what? want it to keep going just for the sake of content. I'm yeah. glad that it's like they had an end in mind when they started it. And it'll be like what ten years since the first book, right? Am I am I right? Yeah, now? first one was like 2011 ish. I'm pretty sure because I just I wanted to see because I was looking at um I wanted to <laughs> I borrowed my books out multiple times. My copy of Leviathan Winks is a little tattered. I have spilled coffee on it. I think twice. <laughs> it's a it's a first edition though, because I was like, "How old is this thing?" And yeah, it was 2011. Gotcha. I was like, "Okay, so it's not like just me; it's just an old book now." <laughs> but also me, I didn't help it. I was like, "This one's for Holden," and I just spilled coffee on my book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Holden would be proud of you in that. Yeah, he, he would not yeah. judge you. Then I used my book to smash a coffee machine open. <laughs> well, do you guys have any closing thoughts before we end this episode? Well, I can't wait for the next one. So uh, that's going to be yeah. amazing, right? Show good. Uh, yes. And good the next, show. next one is going to be called Tribes. Hmm. Tribes. Hmm. And it, yeah, and it's dropping soon. Very soon. Oh, yeah. Um, God, I cannot keep track of the days right now. <laughs> Yeah, I know that uh, the episode has been coming out pretty much on Tuesday nights um, for us here in the U.S. And uh, it's just so nice because I can come home and just watch it or kind of expect it and just watch it and not have to deal with so many people talking about spoilers. And it's just great. (laughs) And the community is pretty good about their their spoiler tagging, too, um, unlike the Star Wars fandom. So (laughs) it is very nice to, to have that. But. I think that's about it. Did we got everything? I'm looking at stuff I wrote down. Nope, nope, nope. Yep, nope. That's about it. Cool. 
Well, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow the podcast at Crash Couch. I am on Twitter at The Curse of Chris. Joel, where are you online? I'm on Twitter under the, the name Joel underscore Welch, W-E-L-C-H. It just happens to be my real name. <laughs> just happens. <laughs> what a coincidence. Who knew? Wow. <laughs> and Laura, what is your uh, Twitter handle these days? I hope it's not Laura. Uh, yeah, who even knows? <laughs> I've been trying to keep it now. So I don't forget, honestly. It's at Laura Donut, D-O-N-U-T. Also, my real name. What a coincidence. <laughs> oh, and Joel, what is uh, what is the name of that little podcast that you do? Oh, yeah. I do a little quirky podcast called The Sci-Fi Podcast with a few folks. Uh, it comes out every couple of weeks. Uh, it's The Sci-Fi Podcast. It's available on your podcatcher of choice. I upload uh, our talking heads usually a couple of days after on YouTube. And we're on social media. So uh, there you go. Tune in. Cool. Come, come visit the pub. And I do want to say, just so people know, that Joel also uploads episodes of The Crash Couch to his YouTube channel, the Sci-Fi Podcast um, YouTube channel. So if you are someone that likes to listen to the show in a non-traditional manner, you can also find it on YouTube. And that's just audio only. It's not our talking heads, but uh, you can uh, listen to the audio on YouTube and do stuff around your house. That's what I usually do when I watch YouTube. There you go. All right. Well, we will be back next week for episode six. So until then, take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.